Hello and welcome to In Your House, the podcast where I watch mid-90s wrestling so you don't have to. I'm your host Ian Smith and in this podcast I'll be watching and reviewing every single In Your House pay-per-view event the World Wrestling Federation produced. That's from the absolute doldrums of the mid-1995 to, well, that depends on who you consult. The WWE Network says that the In Your House series only runs until the end of 1997, but closer inspection sees that the In Your House moniker was still in use until 1999. So who really knows where we'll finish up? Whatever the case may be, we'll certainly see the best of the best and the absolute worst of the worst the WWF had to offer. But what exactly is In Your House? After the success of the mid to late 80s, Vince McMahon could never really find a brand new star to replace Hulk Hogan, and until Hogan's departure in May of 1993, McMahon booked the company around him. Hogan's departure left this huge void, and that, along with the bad PR from the steroid scandal, saw McMahon try to build this new clean-cut babyface star in Lex Luger in the summer of 1993. He gave him a bus, and the Let's Express toured the country before stalling at SummerSlam and it was a complete write-off by WrestleMania 10. Bret Hart was really the fan's choice to lead the company, but even he couldn't keep it business from dropping. So around the time of this In Your House, the first one, the champion at the time was Diesel, who'd been hot-shotted into the position just after Survivor Series 1994, because all the fans were getting behind his no-nonsense ass-kicking persona. However, as Nash himself would admit, by the time of this event in May of 95, about six or seven months into his title reign, that ass-kicking persona was as good as dead. He dressed up as Santa, and he was now, as opposed to the ass-kicker, more of a traditional babyface. Slap hands with the kids, kiss the babies, wave, smile, say hello, oh yeah, clap your hands, all that sort of good stuff. The focus in the previous couple of years had been on the home video market, but that had not really produced the revenue that McMahon and co were hoping for, so the decision was made to produce more of what was an already proven income stream pay-per-view. McMahon believed that WWF fans would buy pretty much any pay-per-view that the company would offer out to them, so they decided to do these smaller secondary shows on a monthly basis at a cheaper rate to keep revenue coming in. So while the traditional five pay-per-views, the Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, King of the Ring, SummerSlam and Survivor Series were $20, these, like in your house shows, would be $15. The shows would be shorter too, running at around two hours or so in length, with a small number of select matches between established talents, but not every major name making it onto the card either. Probably to sort of keep the mystique of them as attractions. So May 14th, 1995, WWF airs their first In Your House with 7,000 people packed into the On Center in Syracuse, New York. Approximately 180,000 people bought the event on pay-per-view, giving it a surprisingly solid 0.83 buy rate. But just what were they treated to? In Your House 1 opens with one of the worst video packages I've ever seen from the WWF. The tone is all over the place in this thing. They're trying to get each match over by having talents give them a two second sound bite, but it just, it comes off as corny. Well, much like most things in mid nineties WWF. They also called the Mabel and Adam bomb match an extravaganza, which, you know, fuck off. They also promote the fact they're giving away a house, which made for some absolutely awful segments. So I'm just gonna recap these now so we can get them out of the way, get them done, doesn't affect the fucking good stuff that you're here to listen to. This is basically a job for Todd Pettengill's mullet and some last name Stephanie, not McMahon, to try and be entertaining and make this seem important, but the live crowd are just not having it. I'm not having it. Like, they 
really drag out the importance of this. They have a whole segment where they show you, look, there's 340,000 envelopes in this big bucket up by the entranceway. And look, we brought it in an armored car with a police escort. Surely you could just get it delivered by mail. That's what a postman is for, you morons. Anyway, just before the main event, they give away the house. Once they get to that, the mullet manages to fuck up dialing the number and also botches the winner's surname. What a waste of time. Anyway, we've got that crap out of the way, so we don't need to talk about it again. It's time to watch the actual show. The commentary team for this one is Vince McMahon and Doc Hendricks, who's just Michael Hayes needing some really quick cash. Uh, Jerry Lawler is wrestling Bret Hart tonight, so he's not on commentary, and fuck knows where JR is, which is really, really Really annoying. Not as annoying as Doc Hendricks though. He grinds my fucking gears. The show also took place on Mother's Day in the States, which isn't mentioned by anyone ever. Oh wait, it's mentioned by everyone. Here's a piece of trivia for you. Who is the first wrestler to make their entrance on an in-your-house pay-per-view? Would it be someone like Bret Hart? Jerry Lawler? Shawn Michaels? The Undertaker? Razor Ramon? No, it was of course... expecting that now were you and that can only mean one thing it's time for his WWF highlight because he's facing Brett Hitman Hart in the opening match why I hear you ask well the story is fairly simple poor old Hakushi has been dragged into the never-ending Brett and Jerry Lawler feud Brett won an award basically on WWF TV it was voted on by WWF magazine readers and Lawler being the heel riled up the undefeated Hakushi by saying that Brett was racist and the magazine never counted Japanese votes. So when they did count Japanese votes, Brett won the award again. So Hakushi battered him and set up this match. Uh, Hakushi is accompanied to the ring for this match by Shinja, who is Akio Sato from the Orient Express tag team of the late 80s and early 90s. Except this time he has his face painted white, so we can't tell who he is. We also get a fucking awful, terrible pre-match promo from Brett at Gorilla. It's awful. What wasn't awful though was the action in this match. This match was excellent. Fantastic opener, really easy to watch. Lots of good heel work by Shinja and Hakushi. Shinja really adds to Hakushi here. It gives Hakushi a way to get good heat on him, keeps Brett distracted, makes it feel like a two-on-one. Brett is looking crisp and sharp. He sells brilliantly. He's always in position. He's just at the absolute top of his game. Hakushi, he looks a little slow at times. He looks like he's trying a little bit too hard to be a little bit methodical and menacing, but he's got some really nice moves. He's obviously a good wrestler. Does a beautiful splash from the top rope, a beautiful diving headbutt, just a picture-perfect acai moonsault to the outside on Brett. This, this match is like 15 minutes of just brilliance. Finish of this match sees the two go back and forth before Brett just gets a victory roll in one, two, three. There you go. And sets off Pyro with it. As soon as the three hits, the Pyro's going wild. Absolutely no need for it. But this match was just brilliant. Made Hakushi look like a star. Brett on top of his game. Absolutely fantastic. And the previously undefeated Hakushi 
has now been beaten by the top star in the company and only just. He took him to the limit, so a real star-making match for Hakushi. I'm sure they're going to push him big. Spoiler alert, they don't. Post-match, Brett goes down as he gets out of the ring and limps to the back, selling his knee. What's all this then? Well, he's got his match with Lawler later on and... As we get thrown to the mullet and the hotline room, Lawler comes storming in. I want my match with Brett. Rah, 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 rah. This is just great heel work of Kane from Lawler. He's like, I want my match. You know, he's just beaten Hakushi. I need my match now. I want my match now. I want my match now. And then as soon as the mullet points out, well, Brett's coming here first to get on the hotline because he's won his match, Lawler pretends his mom's calling him and shoots off. Simple, simple stuff and just love it. Also on a side note, on this segment, you see Alundra Blaze and Stan Lane sitting on the phones in front of Lawler and Mullet, and they have the exact same haircut, which I found quite funny. Anyway, back to the ring for our second match. Ain't that theme great? This one's a handicap match as the Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett and the Roadie take on Razor Ramon. This was apparently supposed to be a tag team match with the 1-2-3 Kid, but Kid is injured, so big tough Chico Razor said, Fucking man, I'll fight you by myself. That impression might get cut out. It appears Vince is trying to do di things differently, he's trying to present this differently, so we'll get like this telephone interview with Kid where he says absolutely nothing at all and it's very garbled because this is 1995 and they don't have Skype. That comes on during Jarrett's entrance and then before Razor comes out, he gets the Brett treatment, he gets the promo in Gorilla. They're both shite, like both the interview and the promo are shite, so really not worth it. But Razor comes out to a decent pop and he still looks like a megastar. Like the presentation here, once the match happens, like, I'm a big Scott Hall fan, and I think, you know, he's got a great mind for the business, his psychology's really good, and when he wants to go, he's a really great worker, but at this point, he's got the same sort of, his matches all have the same sort of spots, and he repeats those spots over and over and over again, and it's very, very boring and methodical and slow and really boring. He's really boring, but this match does tell... A somewhat decent story here, or it does advance a little bit the sort of the story of the Rhodey and Jarrett here, in that we've never seen Rhodey wrestle before. That's what Vince establishes for us here, and he's the big difference maker in this. Jarrett is the one who gets battered at every opportunity, he gets a little bit in here or there, but if Razor turns it around, he usually turns it around on Jarrett. Rhodey comes in, does some nice moves, tags out again. Uh, at what point he does a nice lap of the ring to clothesline Razor, which is unnecessary and hilarious, but this match goes on for fucking ever. It just drags and drags and drags. The only exciting part for me is when <laughs> Doc at one point just turns to Vince and goes, are you ignoring me? Yes, I am. You can see why Hayes never commentated again. You could tell by this match, Vince was already fuming. Anyway, after about 20 minutes or so of action, uh, well, what seems like three years anyway, and about four million double down spots. They just spam the double clothesline repeatedly. Jarrett goes for the figure four. Rhodey's sort of on the apron, getting out of the ring. Razor reverses it, pushes him headfirst into Rhodey. 
Dead lifts him up quite impressively and hits the razor's edge on Jarrett for the three count. But before he can even celebrate, the heels try and do the run-in. Jarrett gets thrown out. Rhodey's up, ready for the edge. Jarrett comes in and makes the save. Gets him by the knee. And the heel beatdown commences. You know, they go for the knee. They put the boots to him. Jarrett goes, locks in the figure four. Who's going to make the save? Razor's in trouble. Kids away. Why, it's going to be none other than the nappy-headed Portuguese man of war, Aldo Montoya, who immediately doesn't make the save. It's very... I don't know who booked this, but whoever booked it made fucking Aldo Montoya look like a fucking idiot. Because he comes in and he hits the roadie with a kick and roadie takes the bump and rather than go over and put the boots to Jarrett to break or break up the figure four, he waits for roadie to feed back up and then whips him off the ropes. Meanwhile, Razor's still in the figure four, still getting injured and Jarrett eventually just has to give up after about 30 seconds, let go and just get up and just fucking batter Aldo and throw him out. I, what's the point? What an absolute moron. Some other lad in a terrible sleeveless shirt comes out and he actually does it properly and he ba beats the crap out of both heels here. Eventually the officials pile in, restrain them, pull them apart and stuff. And we find out later on in our promo a couple of segments later that his name's Savio Vega and he's here to, uh, I don't know, be Razor's pal. Uh, the, the link here is very tenuous. It's his old amigo, Savio, if anyone knows, is from Puerto Rico. Razor is built uh, from Miami, Florida, of Cuban descent. So, geography. After that, we, we calmed down a little bit with uh, some, some lad named Barry shilling some fucking awful Bret Hart merch. $20, by the way. T-shirt on this is just awful. It's just a big picture of Bret with crosshairs all over it. And you pay more for this than you would for the pay-per-view. But it's not as bad as what happens next. Yep, it's Mabel versus Adam Bomb. This is a King of Ring qualifier, and for a timeline update, Mabel and Moore just freshly heal, having lost to the smoking guns, and then beating up the rapping guy Oscar. So... He's gone from the WWF. They're now heels. And Adam Bomb is just there. Quick spoiler. This match sucks. Adam Bomb is a big dude. Decent look. Not great in the ring. Not over at all. Mabel is fat, is slow, clumsy, and the fans hate him. And the only good decision they made about this match is that they made it 45 seconds. This is in fast forward. They have enough time though to get Mabel to the outside so Adam Bomb can do a dive over the top, which gets no reaction. And then he hits a couple of flying clotheslines for a couple of one counts. Eats the shittest spin kick where Mabel's essentially just lying down by the time he kicks him. It's awful. And then a really crap slam and Mabel wins and he's going to the King of the Ring tournament. It's a minute of my life. I'm never getting back. Uh, after that, we get the promo finding out who Savio Vega is. During which time the smoking guns have made their entrance. They're in the ring. And to just give you an example of how little of a shit... The WWF gives about the smoking guns. Not only do they not get the first half of their entrance televised because there's a more important promo going on, Jerry Lawler gets all the attention while they're in the ring waiting for the champions because he wants to come out and have his match with Brett. I mean, that's great continuity, but way to make your tag team look like jobbers. They're facing the tag team champions 
Yokozuna and Owen Hart with Mr. Fuji and Jim Cornette in their corner. Yoko returned at WrestleMania as Owen's surprise partner to win the titles from the Smoking Guns. And he looks fucking massive here. Just huge. He has piled on the way. And to be quite honest, this bit here as well, this is an absolutely nothing match. Yoko is fucked from the beginning, like just absolutely knackered. So Owen does most of the work. The Smoking Guns are not really over. There's, you can tell that they're a fine tag team. They're going to get a couple of runs with the tag belts, but the people are like, eh, we'll take it or leave it. They're not going to sell any tickets. Nobody came to see the smoking guns. And to be honest, because Yoko's so knackered and because this match is so dead, it goes really short and it's probably the wisest thing for it. It goes about five minutes before Bart goes for a crossbody in the middle of the ring, goes through the ropes. It's really impressive looking, actually goes from like the middle of the ring and jumps Owen moves out of the way and he goes through the top and middle rope which is a really impressive looking bump actually and while he's there Yoko on the outside just bloop, leg drop onto his chest rolls him back in one two three tag titles retained for Yoko and Owen my favorite part of this whole match though is right after the bell <laughs> Yoko for whatever reason just sees Bart Gunn lying there right in front of him and just throws the shittest worked punch at him and it's so bad and it misses so badly. Bart doesn't even sell it until like he sees it out of the corner of his eye late and it's like a delayed sell. It's just big, carny, shite and it's amazing. I love that kind of bollocks. We get more of Mullet Gill. He's all over this show, Todd Pettengill. And he has an interview with the WWF champion Diesel ahead of his main event against Sid. And boy, oh boy, if you ever need an example of why Diesel Never really drew, never really quite got over to the level Vince wanted him to as world champion. Just watch this promo. It's awful. It's just fucking awful. He talks about his mother passing, which gets some sympathy from me at the start. Then he buries an attack by Henry Godwin going, yeah, I'm perfectly fine. You know, he hit me in the back. He's a talented dude, but didn't do much to me. You know, I'm the world champion. Takes away a plot point in his match. And then he gets excitable and calls himself a walrus. I... uh... Terrible, awful, shocking, pish, shite, awful, and did I mention it was fucking awful? Back to the ring. So finally, Jerry Lawler will get his match with Bret Hart. He's all excited because Bret is injured. He's got his mother with him accompanying him to the ring. I say mother, but it looks more like Lawler's choice of women in that she's about 15 or 20 years younger than him. He runs down Helen Hart here, Brett's mom. but Vince and Doc just decide to talk all over his promo. Like, they just get all fucking over his promo. It's terrible. But to be fair though, he does give some lines to the woman with him, and she's a better promo than Diesel. Anyway, it's another mullet sight in here. He's just absolutely everywhere in this show. You get a pre-match promo with Brett. And it turns out he's perfectly fine. He's been having us on the entire time. He half limps to the ring and Lawler sees him and he's all happy. And then Brett starts jumping about and hops into the ring and Lawler just shits himself and tries to run away. And this match, that's all it is. It's five minutes of Lawler just getting murdered here and trying to run away. And he sells it beautifully. I don't think I've seen a heel or a chicken shit heel sell a beating like Jerry Lawler has. It is incredible you can see what people mean he might not be the best wrestler in the world he might have terrible terrible one-liners and jokes but make a chicken shit heel jerry lawler's your man he does get a pile driver in here after about a minute which brett no sells 
just gets up and m continues to murder King. Brett hits his own pile driver that eventually gets into a mounted position, hits these kayfabe shattering punches, but that's the cue for the finish. Already, that was quick. We get Shinja. He's run down to ringside, he jumps up on the apron, Earl Hebner goes out to confront him, get down, sticks one leg out the ropes, one leg in, sort of hooks his leg in the ropes, and then when I think Lawler's whipped into the ropes, Hebner takes a tumble, he's like hanging upside down by his foot in the bottom middle rope, so like he can't see into the ring, and Brett eventually has Lawler down, hits the elbow from the second rope, Hakushi comes running down, hits a flying headbutt off the top to break up Brett's cover, hits another one, for good measure, and then, you know what, might as well, third time lucky, hits a third one, Lawler gets the big theatrical pin, Hemner comes in, one, two, three, Jerry Lawler beats Bret Hart, middle of the ring. Well, of course, Bret has to get his heat back after the match, so he just fucking batters all three heels. Lawler is the winner, Bret has his heat back, probably gonna have a rematch at King of the Ring, something about feet, probably. So we get a Sid promo, and this is the best promo on the show, by a country mile. Sid, a lot can be said for Sid about how he loves softball and this, that and the other and his dedication to wrestling and stuff. But in terms of promo, in terms of look and in terms of like sort of charisma and intensity, Sid had those four things. He was incredible at this point. Like his promo's excellent. His intensity makes you think that he's like he's psychotic. He looks psychotic and he looks like he would fucking kill you. He is the absolute prime main eventer. And speaking of main eventers, it's main event time. So Sid's out first here for our main event and he looks like a fucking, he's just jacked. Diesel's out next. Gets a decent pop, but it's a bit quieter than Razor and Brett. I mean, he does look big as well. But the real show stealer here is during his entrance, Sid just eyeballs Vince the entire time. It's amazing. Vince sells it beautifully. Sid just stares him down. It's hilarious. And then he does a like the old Brock Lesnar leap onto the ring. Really fucking impressive, because Sid usually ponders about, so you never really get to see that athleticism from him. Unfortunately though, the bell had to ring on this match, and these two went for about 10 minutes, and it was a painful 10 minutes. Talk about Sid having this great look and all that, but he works so light, and some of it is kayfabe shattering. It's terrible. At one point, he does a big run-up on the outside when Diesel's hunched over, and gives him this kick, and it's like, he does this big long run-up, and it's a tap, and it barely touches him. And it looks like crap. Nash is trying a bit, but you could tell he's not a seasoned worker. He looks like he's working. Sid has these terrible clubs to the back as well, which are really, really horrible offense. Couple of rest holds. Diesel tries to fight out. He gets caught off at one point by Sid hits this beautiful big leg drop. Like it's absolutely perfect. You know, big leap, big straight legs, lands it perfectly. It just looks incredible with the camera work as well. He also does a beautiful one-handed chokeslam to Diesel. Eventually Sid does actually hit the power bomb on him and rather than just go for the cover straight away and win the title, he just sort of plays to the crowd. So Sid just looks like an idiot. Diesel kicks out at two, obviously, when he does eventually go for the cover and then 
he runs wild. Snake eyes, big boot, and then he gets him up for the jackknife, hits the jackknife, which is pretty impressive because Sid is not a small man, and goes for the cover, and who's that running in from the side? Oh, it's Tatanka for the fucking DQ. That's right, a DQ finish in the main event of your first pay-per-view. Fuck off. This sucked. Tatanka and that, DiBiase's in, they put the boots to him. Sid goes for the power bomb, but he gets backdropped. In comes Bam Bam, chases away Tatanka, batters him out of the ring. All the heels powder to the outside. Diesel and Bam Bam celebrate with each other, and that's the end of the show. Or is it? Well, Vince tells us that In Your House has been out of this world, and to compound the bollocks, we get the worst closing video I've ever seen. They must have spent money on this for a reason, but I don't know what that reason was, because it's two people pretending to be aliens, and they're looking at Earth, it's like, well, nuclear wars, you know, there's the ozone's been destroyed. Is there any reason we should not destroy this planet? And the female alien goes, well, we've got this company with a devoted following called the WWF. They seem promising. And the male one's like, yeah, all right, we'll move on to the next. We'll come back later and destroy it later. <laughs> what the fuck? It's stupid, and I fucking love it. Update on human species destruct order for a planet known as Earth. Proceed. Two world wars and nuclear weapons indicate they may destroy entire planet themselves. What else? Further destruction of their environment continues with many species extinct already. Protective ozone layer partially destroyed. Any reason to spare them? Only this data tape, an organization with a devoted following known as the World Wrestling Federation. It shows promise. Maybe there's hope for these humans. Delay their destruction 100 solar cycles. The World Wrestling Federation. You never know. We might be saving the world. So, what did I think of this show? Well, the good parts, Sid's promo, Sid's look, Sid's charisma, all great. Anything, the whole thing involving Brett, Hakushi and Lawler, that was all good stuff. I quite enjoyed Todd Pettengill's mullet. Other than that, it struggles. That Brett Hakushi match set a real high point for the start and it just immediately fell off a cliff. Uh, the handicap match was long way too long and so slow. Mabel versus Adam Bomb was a non-event and you could have replaced it with something else because fucking Undertaker and Shawn Michaels weren't even on this card. You could have had Undertaker on the card. By the way, Undertaker wrestled a dark match after the pay-per-view aired against Kama. You could have had that match instead of Mabel against Adam Bomb and I think the people would have been happy on pay-per-view. But that was for the live crowd only. The tag title match was a non-event. Doc Hendricks was just fucking awful. And overall, Apart from the Brett Hakushi match, there wasn't really much in-ring action that really thrilled me or got me excited or went, that is great stuff. If you're going to go and watch this show, I would recommend turn off after the Brett Hakushi match because that's the high point of this match and when the opener is the high point, it's not really a good sort of thing for the show. I would say though that it wasn't awful, awful. It was just a bit eh, which in some ways is worse than something just being terrible. Like it wasn't funny bad, it was just a bit dull, to be honest. Overall, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. I think it's a 5 out of 10 show. It's not like a 2 out of 10. It's not like a this is an offensively bad show. It's a this is a one match show that you should go and see. And for completion's sake, I'd say watch the rest. Give the handicap match a try. I looked up Meltzer's star ratings before doing this. Obviously, Hakushi Brett was match of the night, according to him. But he gave the handicap match three stars. And I was quite confused by that, so... But each to their own. 
I'd say give it a, I'd say give it a watch. It's got some historical significance. So the only thing left to do now is to thank you for listening to this debut episode of the podcast. Let me know what you think. Give it a watch. Tweet me your thoughts at Ian Smith. That's E-I-O-N Smith. And until next time, when we have In Your House 2, The Lumberjacks, goodbye. <laughs>